We are hosting today's broadcast from the lands of the Karingai people. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. Effortless win. How cosy with that? Oh, he's best yet. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. When it's over. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem Winter Edition. Hasn't he bounced back with a bang here? All the things that I used to say. All the words that got in the way. All the things that I used to know have gone yeah, good morning and welcome to the Punters Postmortem Winter Edition. Dave Stanley with you on the 26th of July and hopefully you've had a good morning with the Big Sports Breakfast team. A lot of sport happening in the world as there is a lot of racing and for the next hour we'll get our panel involved in the conversation, not only about this weekend but just general racing chat as well. If you've got any questions on your mind, 135353 is the open line number. You can give us a call. And looking forward to this Monday morning on Sky Sports Radio. We'll have previews for our New South Wales meetings uh, at around that uh, 10 o'clock, 10 past 10 mark. We've got Scone and Corowa as our meetings today. The only meetings in the country, the two New South Wales meetings. And a little bit later on, our Monday's experts, and really looking forward to this chat, is Bernadette Cooper. Bernie Cooper joining us 11 o'clock to chat about her life and... It's a good little yarn, that, so make sure you're tuned in and sticking to Sky Sports Radio. Our panel today, Chris Roots, Brad Davidson, Dean Lester and Glenn Munsey. And I'll start with Brad Davidson. Good morning to you, mate. How was your weekend on the punt? Yeah, morning, Dave. Morning, everyone. Yeah, it was a, uh, I think it was a pretty tough day out there at headquarters for most people or at Rose Hill on, on Saturday. Um, you know, we'll get some a couple of roughies get up and uh, I think it was a, a day more for the for the bookies, but uh, hopefully some punters uh, managed to, to find a few winners and, and get their noses in front for the day. But look, it was a good day, and um, I thought the track played really well. Dean Lester joins us uh, from our Melbourne studio. Dino, mate, you've got a week off. What are you going to do with yourself? Oh, well, I mean, if they're going to plan it, they have planned it well. The Olympics are on, plenty to watch. So uh, probably be uh, betting on Coral today and, uh, and watching the Olympics, Dave. Fantastic, mate. How was your weekend there at uh, in Melbourne at Caulfield? It's hard to find a winner, but uh, it was good competitive racing. The Bletchingley Stakes, uh, it's certainly not the, the race it once was. It's a bit early in the season, really. Uh, you, we, we've often seen horses like Elstrom come through to win a Corfu Cup and Regal Roller win multiple group ones, but uh, I don't think that'll be the case this year. But uh, nonetheless, competitive racing. Sansom is a, a good, improving horse, and he might be the next sort of version of the horse that he beat, Streets of Avalon, who's been such a good horse for so long. Chris Roots from the Sydney Morning Herald on the panel again today. Uh, Chris, no doubt uh, you've been you're watching those races on Saturday, mate. I know you've um, written a few stories on Brock Ryan in the past, uh, but for him to get those four wins, outstanding for the young lad from the South Coast. Yes, morning, Dave, and good of Dino to join us on his week off. So glad that he could make it, make it in with um, Victoria taking their to, to shutting down for a week. Um, yeah, Brock was really good. Really nice to see him get that, that, that four-time on the weekend. The first time he'd ridden four winners in his career on a day, and he'd only ridden a treble once once before. So, you know, to do it in the city, and I think coming to the coming to the fourth one, he, he thought he had four chances there. But the fourth one was for the boss, and he I think he, he said afterwards, um, if he went home with three winners in a second, it wouldn't have been a good look for the rest of the week because he would have heard about the one he got beat on. So... 
great to see. Um, I think this time of year we start turning our attentions to 8.30 on a um, Tuesday morning rather than uh, Saturday afternoons to see the good horses coming back and we get to see the slipper winner back on Tuesday stay inside and just some news around around it, it there. It's probably looking at an Everest if it gets up to it, but it's it's higher. Extreme Choice has got a rather big appointment this um, this spring. Vegas Showgirl Winx's um, dam will will go to Extreme Choice for amazing this year. Okay, all right, that's that's a big coup for the guys there. Um, that's um, that's big for Extreme Choice. Glenn Munsey, good morning, mate. How's lockdown treating you in uh, in the LGA you're in? You haven't been able to leave the house. You should see it, Dave. Good morning to you. Good morning to Dean. Good morning to Brad. And that's the longest intro I've ever heard from the Rooter. Has he got anything left? Um, <laughs> you know, you, you know, see... you're going good when when Rooter's talking about matings, upcoming big matings. I just didn't know where he was going to go with that. <laughs> oh, he's, well, he's he's, he's semi locked down uh, the Rooter. He can't get to golf, so you know he's, he's he's under enormous pressure. But you've never seen a cleaner house in all your life, Dave, than this here. There's not a weed in the ground. Uh, there's not a you know, any ironing to be done, any cleaning to be done, it's, um, you'd think I'm flying. putting the joint up for sale. <laughs> You're flying. Uh, Dino, there's already a couple of texts here about um, about this week off in Melbourne. I know we touched on it in the last couple of weeks. There's nothing we can do about it now, the week off. Would you like to see things like this continue, or do you think um, it needs to be maybe looked at for future seasons and we can't be having weeks off? Uh, yeah, I think um, a week off is is not the way to go. But I, I would consider maybe uh, uh, through July, maybe no uh, Sunday racing other than jumps racing. You know, uh, have yeah. a have a warnable meeting two weeks later, a pack and a meeting, and like yesterday at sale. So, you know, uh, really highlight and showcase the jumps racing. Have three of those and give the participants the the bulk of the participants. Uh, Sundays off and the time of year where you want to showcase uh, jumps racing. So something like that, I think, might be a, a bit of an opportunity, but certainly a block of five days, uh, I don't think it does. Well, it doesn't do anyone good. The, the, the worst part is, I mean, even if you don't have racing, that's one thing, but the trainers uh, haven't got trials or jump outs and we're you know two and a half weeks from the Lawrence yeah. Stakes, Quisette, Vane Stakes meeting where they want to trial. So there's no trials this week. It's... Uh, that's probably the more ludicrous side of it all, really. Mm. The, the other thing, too, is like there's still track work, obviously, and still the horses need to yeah. be fed and et cetera. So it's really not a not a, a week off, um, so to speak. Well, uh, I might come, uh, sorry, go, I was just going to say, jockeys right, and trainers are, are self-employed and they, they manage their business a certain way. Like trainers, yeah. you know, like over Christmas, they have to you know juggle you know which of their staff work and which have breaks and then vice versa and jockeys take breaks and... They then might have enforced breakthrough suspensions, so they juggle their business accordingly. I don't know if we need the regulatory body telling us stop for a week. I think the the participants can you know, run their business their way. Yeah, exactly. Well, it'd be like imagine if the, you know the the plumbers association came out and said, yeah. right, oh, no, we're not working this week. All you sole traders, etc. Um, or we're going to any... turn up on time, one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, be careful. You, you know <laughs> what'll happen now. Fun. Yeah, I know. Oh, I'll burst on, a tap any minute. Now. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, the I'm still waiting for him to do a job actually from <laughs> three years ago here. So you know that they're they're pretty good. They still go on Yeah, yeah. No, well, he hasn't completed his part of the deal. Yeah. Is that the West Wing, or which part is that? The, uh, it's the helicopter landing area. Oh, and, okay, uh, yeah, of course, the, that's right. Yeah, the, the guest <laughs> wing. 
Uh, Chris, uh, is there any um, is there any discussion or thought process from a racing New South Wales point of view about these sort of these sort of things and what's happening, say in Victoria with with holidays, or are they sitting there at the moment laughing because all the turnover and that that punting money is going to be coming to New South Wales this week? You won't be seeing a break in in racing in New South Wales. Um, as Dino said, um, these are businesses the um, people are running, running, and they they run them and they go for holidays. Trainers work work their holidays around. Jockeys have have breaks and they they don't need to be told when they can have time off. They they'll just they just manage it themselves like anyone else. And really, realistically, would you see Coles say, "Okay, we're going to shut for a week, and Woolworths and Audi and IGA can have all the business for the week. You can have all our all our customers, and you know what happens." The customer doesn't come back, and they start betting on New South Wales, and they won't go back to Victoria, and that's what's going to happen. And and the other curious thing I want to mention, Dave, is that it was only last week that legislation was passed through Parliament that we're allowed to race on Good Friday. So we're having a week off, but we can race on Good Friday now. So there you go. It's uh, it, uh, and that's another thing that uh, has uh, irked the uh, participants. And yeah, there's a fair bit of unrest about it all down here. Dino, yeah, can, just, I just, can I just ask you, you Dino? Yep. With with your racing, I think the more of a concern is that you've got jockeys that are riding track work then having to ride midweek, uh, like on a Thursday, and maybe even ride a Thursday night. That's, I think that's more of a concern than giving them a week off in the middle of July. Like, um, I think the pressures put on some of the participants through, through that is unbelievable. Yeah, well, I think, uh, yeah, Chris, I, I think there's got to be a streamlining of all that. Uh, to be fair, a lot of the riders don't ride track work, especially through the night season, because there's Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday, and, and I've got a problem with our main product being Saturday, and we're, yet we're asking our, our main participants to play Thursday and Friday nights. Uh, but uh, I think, you know, like a Thursday night at Pakenham, the, the day meeting should be as far away from Pakenham as possible so that it doesn't even tempt the participant to ride at both meetings. It should be at Warrnambool uh, in the west and uh, and Pakenham in the southeast. Uh, but too often we have meetings that are only hour, hour and a half from Pakenham and uh, the participants are virtually, you know, the jockeys especially, are asked to, you know, uh, be part of both. Uh, come for a quick comment before we get on to uh, performance on the weekend. I'll come to you here, Brad Davidson. Um, your thoughts on what's happening with the week off? Any any comment? Uh, look, I'm probably I understand that the points that the guys make there. Um, I'm probably not as, as strong on it. I think it, if you got to do it, probably um, work it out a bit better with the with the jump outs and things like that. I, I do think though that our industry, you know, we we need to keep finding ways, and we need to try to be progressive in ways to give people those those cutouts and breaks because a lot of those the simple facts are guys a lot of those smaller stables is um, you know they can't afford to go away on holidays you ask most trainers out there and uh, most trainers wouldn't have had a, had a holiday for four years so um, you know we need to we need to focus on the things like that we need to you know look at these uh, later track work hours and things like that because you know we've heard that we heard the comments from David Van Dyke last week all he wanted to do after winning a big race is, is go home and sleep and when you're getting up at, at three in the morning and you're or you know, two thirty, three in the morning, and, and you're still there at eight or nine o'clock at night. Uh, I don't care. I don't care how uh, you know how good you are. You're, you're going to get run down in time. And um, yeah, I think I think we need to continue to look at things and and ways to, to help those people in the industry that are, that are doing those long hours to, to be able to freshen up and have breaks like the rest of us. You know, where we're all sitting here and we 
we can all get away a few, a few weeks in the year, but um, it's a lot harder for, for those people. So, yeah, I think we just need to keep on looking at it, but maybe there's a, there's a better way to do it. Munns, just quickly, before we move on, I mean, put your tab hat on here, um, and you probably mightn't be able to tell exactly, but th- this will cost millions, won't it, in terms of wagering product that, that just goes you know down the drain. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, Dave, how much it does cost because there are some people that prefer and will solely bet on Victorian racing. You've also got to realise Victoria's in lockdown until, at this stage until midnight on Tuesday night. So you've got a captive audience there. You've got people at home looking for something to do and uh, I, I, I'd be surprised if they're in the Herald Sun in the, in the week. There's not some... I'd be astounded, actually, uh, if in the Herald Sun, uh, especially, or the Age in Melbourne or, or on television, television or something like that, that Tab aren't taking out full-page ads or huge uh, advertising campaigns to say, look, Victoria's not mightn't be on, but we've got plenty of racing here at Tab in New South Wales, in South Australia, in Victoria. Tune on the sky, it's 526, 527, 528, and uh, watch some racing product if you want something to do. It's a great opportunity for our company, uh, a Tab, a, as a business, to really hammer home the fact that um, just because they're not racing in Victoria, it doesn't mean that racing has stopped around the nation. People in Victoria might be very, very centric to what's happening in Victoria alone, and this opens up a whole new uh, scope for them to, if they want to have a bet. They, you know, no one holds a gun at your head to have a bet, uh, but, you, you know, if... As a marketing person, you've got to tell people things that are available, and uh, you know to, to look at it as a whole. It's a you know it's it's probably better described as a race-free week, uh, not a you know a, anything else. It's not a holiday. Um, you know, if you're you're working for John Sadler, for example, you're still turning up to work every day to muck out boxes. Horses don't muck out boxes themselves. They don't feed themselves. They're going to take a lot more exercise. Smaller stables that don't have access to walking machines, treadmills, uh, water walkers, their staff's going to have to do quite a lot of walk, uh, work because they're going to have to hand walk these horses uh, to give them exercise. You can't leave them left in a box all day because the grain and different things that are in them, they'll completely go off their heads. Let's get into some race reviews, guys. You're on Punters Postmortem, the winter edition. Of course, with Glenn Munsey, you just heard Brad Davidson, Dean Lester and Chris Roots. Guys, we'll start with the winter challenge, the 4X winter challenge there on Saturday. And order again. What about Huey? He comes back, has a little break, and geez, he's returned and stopped. We'll start with you here, Brad. What did you make of the performance of order again and some of the beaten brigade? Yeah, well, I mean, you, you touched on his moment there, and you're right, he's hit the ground running, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, Three winners there on the weekend, a couple on on Wednesday, and he just looked to be back with a with a vengeance and then really building nicely towards the towards the spring carnival. Um, in terms of the performances, I mean he got the best last two hundred performance of the entire day there order again, and I just think he's developed that consistency this preparation, which he probably lacked a little bit um, going back a few preps ago. But look, we're on a firmer track there on the weekend. A lot of pegged him as a as a wet tracker, and uh, we're on a soft five. Played probably more like a a good four and. And uh, he was super. The way he was able to chase him down late in the piece, I thought Nickfield was pretty good up on speed. I think third up on a, on a wet track's going to suit him. Sambro, he's still kicking uh, along. It was a nice little performance by him. I thought True Detective was disappointing. I thought Counter Monte Cristo was disappointing. Cisco Bay ditto. And even though Kerwin's lane was held up a touch late, he was also pretty plain. So some disappointing performances by those right in the market. But Order again, developing that consistency. And Zigfield, next time out, looks ready to beat. 
Chris Roots, uh, from being at the track, mate, and just uh, chatting to these guys. I mean, order again, Huey Bowman. He's got a little twinkle at his eye, Hubert. Yeah, and speaking to him after his third win- winner there, Fino Mondial, he, he said he remembers what happened when he came back last year, and I think everyone remembers the Andrew Atkins four, and he, he said his comeback, he just made sure he was ready to go as soon as he got back to the track. He he rode a double on Wednesday, went to Kembla on on Thursday, and then Saturday he came out and he gave an exhibition of, of um, how to, how to ride, ride that track, and, and the horses just seemed... Seem to run for him. I think um, the interesting thing about Order again, again is it's probably going to be a Villiers horse, so it might have one more and get ready for a Villiers and and as an as an eight year old. But Christine Buchanan, when um, when Casino Mondial was back in the field, she just gave up hope of winning the race. She just wanted to see him run on and thought he'd be better for for the run. But and the horse doesn't usually go between horses. But with Hugh on it, he just um, gave it the confidence to take the runs, and Jesus attacked the line. It was just a beautiful ride. Um, we've got. Uh, I'll, I'll bring Dino into the conversation here, mate, um, because we're going to see. Um, well, we may not see some uh, Sydney riders uh, head down to Melbourne. We don't know what's going to happen there with the spring. But when these Sydney guys come to town, I mean, you've got some wonderful jockeys in Victoria. But when they're all together, you can really. I mean. It can be sometimes hard to assess what exactly is going to happen in these races because sometimes, like Huey, they just take off and put themselves in the race. Oh, exactly. Uh, yeah, and that's the the wonderful thing about uh, you know great riders and what they uh, yeah what they do and and that they, that they don't uh, yeah they, they don't follow the rules and they ride they they get the feel for the animal and and ride them accordingly and uh, yeah and as you said when it's a melting pot whether it be the championships when the you know, we saw the Melbourne riders go up, Jamie Carr winning a Doncaster this year, or the, when the Sydney riders come down here and, you know, Huey dominating for so many years down here, whether yeah. it be on Winks or the Derby. Uh, it's great to watch. Munns, you've seen a, good, a lot of good hoops in your time. Um, just touching on Huey there, uh, and you weren't at the track on Saturday, but you were watching on Sky Thoroughbred Central. Um, he's gonna have a, I think he's going to have a big season, Huey. Well, you know, a big new season. Yeah, well, jockeys, Dave, confidence is a massive part of how they're going. You, you know, you, you can see jockeys that, you know, they, they get to the races and they bounce. They, they You know, they, they stride into the races. The ones that are kicking stones on the way in, you know, oh, here I am, I've got another day, I'm riding 401 chances, got, you know, got no hope here. Well, you're sort of on the back foot before you start. But a confident jockey... You know, if they miss the start, they don't panic. They, they they let the horse roll. Now, Casino Mondial, for example, drew the outside alley and is normally the horse that travels on speed. And Huey even said in his post-race interview, he said he gave me a really good feel going to the barriers. I thought, he, you know, he might even bolt here, thinking the horse that, you know, was going to be up there on the speed. But he settled in the race. Huey got him to travel and found the right lane and just, just got to the line right. Well, that's all confidence. And I know Brad's very, very big on stats. And, you know, he'll say, oh, this, you know, certain jockey hasn't ridden a winner his last 65 mounts or something like that. But as soon as he does ride a winner and break that break that duck, you'll, you'll find more often than not that he'll put a few together. Do you want to comment on that, Brad? Yeah, I, I totally agree with Mum. Confidence is so big in racing, it's not funny. And, and when a rider doesn't have that confidence, you watch them closely and you can just see they're not making the right decisions, they're second-guessing, they're not going at the right time, they're not travelling at the right tempo. But when it's all clicking, 
then that's when you want to follow those riders. And that's why those stats, you can find riders that are in form. Um, they'll just go. It's amazing the difference between a rider's best and a rider's worst. I mean, you know, you've got your, you've got your top jockeys where, where it's the less of a gap. But in that middle range in particular, you've got your, your next rung down. When they're riding well, they're riding as, as well as the better ones. When they're riding badly, they're, they're riding like basically like apprentices, you know. So um, there's a big gap there and confidence is such a massive factor. Now, we're going to, I'm going to open the phone lines now, punters. So if you're keen on asking our panel a question, 1353-53 is the open line number. We've got a text here on the text line. Uh, hi, guys. Um, what's your opinion in the last race in Sydney on Saturday? Uh, it was a good race, I think. Some good horses will come out and win next start. Uh, what caught my eye was Ventura Ocean. He ran well and came hard at the end. Um, until his re- uh, run just peaked. What are your thoughts regards SS? Uh, I'll go back to you here, Brad. What did you make of that that last run? I must admit, I was watching Big Boy Roy, and I thought he was just going to go whoosh, but all credit to Frosty Rocks. Yeah, look, it was a race where they went uh, at, a, at a very slow, very leisurely tempo there late in the piece, so it helped horses like Frosty Rocks and Big Boy Roy up on speed, and was it was it a case of Frosty fighting off the canvas and, or a bit of both and a bit of probably Big Boy Roy just peaking on the run as he did first up last preparation? So he'll improve fitness-wise, but for me, the, the two runs out of the race were um, Poetic Charmer and Ventura Ocean. I agree with the with the uh, the person texting in there. There was a super return by Ventura Ocean. The tempo was against, and, you know, he looks a, a progressive enough horse to maybe step up to 14, 1,500 metres next time out and, and with a bit more tempo on, he's going to be hard enough to beat. But Poetic Charmer and Ventura, Ventura Ocean, two two best runs in the race for mine. Come to you here, Chris. Your thoughts? Yeah, I thought Frosty Rocks was pretty good there. Just you, you always knew it would be in front and be hard to run past. So you know, just that easy early session was really good. Big Boy Roy, a horse that always always improves into the preparation. So I'd be following it. I think it'll win one of its next two starts. So um, and. Venturation was good and probably going to be better as they get up and trip a bit. Munz, I'll come to you. Partners panel, we spoke about Frosty Rocks uh, on Friday. Um, he, he was pretty solid all the way through favouritism. Like, his hold was pretty high for the day, wasn't it? Yeah, but um, big, big rap to the boys here, Timmy Ryan and the team. Um, they worked this race out absolutely perfectly because, you know, I sit there and, and look what they're doing compared to what everyone else is doing. Well, the Dutch auction started pretty early in this race here with Frosty Rocks, and they left it a $2 chance for quite a long while in the race here and didn't want to get involved. And what they did do, they got involved with all the rest. They pushed horses like Poetic Charmer, Al Mahaha, Ventura Ocean, Dream Circle, and and even Irish Songs. Put their foot on Frosty Rocks and Big Boy Roy, so they've evidently worked the race out and said, well, they're the two leaders. They're going to be the hardest horses to beat here. We'll chime in very, very late on on the two favourites here, but we've got to make sure we've laid the others here. Uh, Lizzie made Al Mahaha the pick of the yard and finished up $26 into $10 and ran $9.50 with us. And they only sort of got... And they had a fat result in the last. Now, you you wouldn't think... Um, that, you know, with a, a horse that had been favourite all week beats the horse that's been second favourite all week, you could possibly have a good result. But that's where opinion comes into bookmaking. And they've said, well, this is a chance for us here to lay the others and put our foot on the two picks here, chime in late, get something out of it and everything like that. But one of their better results on the day, Frosty Rocks, and you wouldn't think so. 
Mm. Dino, I'll come to you here, mate. A couple of texts in relation to Billy Egan. Uh, talk us through that fifth event at Caulfield on Saturday because um, I know that from the stewards' report there was, what he was it 10 meetings? 10 meetings Billy Egan got from Wicklow Town, but they had Johnny Allen in. They grilled him over his tactics on Scarlett Tuddy and Carleen Heffel um, received a big ban as well. It was a messy race, and then... Part two of the question, just on Billy Egan, your thoughts on I'm a Bronco, who won pretty impressive yesterday in Sunday racing. Yeah, he did win impressively, Dave. I thought it was a great ride, and, and you could just tell in the run that he was the one travelling, and he, he he had to just you know, virtually barge his way through, and uh, he did. I'm a Bronco, lightly raced horse, uh, certainly with a lot, lot more upside than his rivals there, but that race on Saturday, it was a bit of a messy race, and he... He's not an easy horse to ride, Wicklow Town, and uh, Billy Egan's had four steers on him for three wins, so he gets him. But, uh, yeah, he, he misses the start. He's sort of got to be, you know, encouraged into the race early. He's got to get into a race. And then when he, as he got to the front on Saturday, he ducked in, and that's when Billy uh, incurred the suspension. But, it, look, he's a good benchmark 78 horse, and uh, especially on wet ground. That trick probably dried out on Saturday. At, uh, we didn't get the rain that was anticipated, and... Uh, it was very windy, so it dried out a bit more, and I, I thought that might have been against him a, a touch, but uh, he was he was still too good. Uh, the one you mentioned, Scarlet Tufty or Tuffy, uh, first run for Ma Eustace and Import, uh, ran very well. Uh, was out the back, was just in an awkward spot, couldn't really get going, and then right on the line was going okay. I want to see it again, but uh, it was at least an encouraging Australian debut. Um, boys, I might come back to Chris Roots here because there's a text on the text line. Nash Rewilla, we were just talking before about uh, Huey Bowman and, and obviously J-Max featured in our chats. We know Nash got a stretch, um, but he's been laying pretty low, um, hasn't he, Nash? And he'll be looking to have a, a big spring. Have we got any update on when he's back? When, when's his suspension run out, Chris? Well, he's been he got he got a bit of a stretch there, and he's he's in an awkward position, Nash, at the moment because of his record. He's gonna if he if he gets time, it's, there's I think he's up to about a fifty percent premium on any suspension he gets. So, um, if yeah, he can, just, if he, just if, on, just sorry, okay, just on that, mate, for our listeners that don't know. So, say from a football, uh, you know, a football sort of point of view, in in terms of you've got like carryover points. If you've got so many suspensions, is that just for the race season or for the year? Well, that. Does that change last, over next season? So it's for the last 12 months. So you've got right. to really clear, ride cleanly for a few months to, to to drop off a few suspensions. So I think it's about about seven is where you start to get the premium. And unfortunately for Nash, I think he's up to nine or ten. So the premium really kicks in. And if Nash Rewilla can, can stay out of the stewards' room for three or four months, he'll be among the... He'll be up with... James McDonald and Tommy Berry because he simply just rides winner after winner. When he when he's in a groove, he'll 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 be the sort of bloke who'll ride two or three winners every every meeting. So just want to see Nash have three months where he goes without a suspension and and he is one of the riders that a lot of trainers like to put on because of his aggression and the way horses run for him. He's, Here's uh, a good his question. Suspension uh, ends this Friday, guys. So he'll be back on Saturday. He'll be back. Um, second part of that question, because the, the person, it might be Nash actually himself, texting in, um, when will Eduardo be picked up in the Everest? If you were forming a market, I'll come to you here, Munns. What price is Eduardo to get a slot in the Tab Everest? Uh, to be absolutely br- uh, 
$2.50. So he's not he's not winks odds? Nope. I, why do you, you know, think that? And, why is that, no, mate? no offence to Eduardo as a horse, but he, he's not the flavour of the month, Eduardo. Right? He's got, you know, people are looking at his, his Everest run last year, and I know it's completely out of character and everything like that, but he, you know, he went crazy in, in the lead. Uh, they're looking at his 1,200-metre form. They, they've got the established 1,200-metre potential Everest runners locked away now. The wild cards and, you know, are the, definitely the three-year-olds. You've got uh, Bonho's going to lock his own horse in. Godolphin's going to lock their own horse in. So there's not a lot of slots there, um, you know, from from a punting point of view, I'd say, you know, $2.50. Okay. Do we uh, do we agree with that, gentlemen, before we get to the phones? I mean, I might come to you here, Dino. What price, Eduardo, for you and the, uh, the Tab Everest to get a slot? Well, it comes down. I mean, there's got to be... 12 runners, you'd hope he's in the top, top 12 sprinters in the land. Uh, I know, you know, 1,200 is a bit of a stretch, but, uh, you know, he got a fence on day and he got running. Uh, you'd, you'd sort of want him on your side, I think. I don't, as you know, as it's proven, he's not in the first selected, but you'd think he'd be in the team. Yeah. What about um, Chris? Do you think he'll be there every day? I think he'll be there, but my concern is, you know, when he's got to 1,200 metres at that top level, He's already proven at that level. Like there's there's other horses that are proven at that level as well. A horse like Trekking has shown that he could. He, he probably only a place chance in an Everest at best. But would you want to back head to head at in an Everest? Would you want to back Eduardo or Trekking? And I think a lot of people would come on the side of Trekking because every time he's gone to that level, he's been um, he's been around the mark and he, he rarely runs a bad race. Now Godolphin have him as their best sprinter at the moment, but they've got the three-year-olds coming through now. Animo probably might go towards the guineas, just depends whether they think he's a sprinter or not. He'd be a chance of going to an Everest, maybe ingratiating if it, if it come up, which run placings in the Blue Diamond and Golden Slipper. But you've got to also remember, when you're thinking about this, what slots are available for Eduardo now? There's only about two or three slots that are left there for horses that aren't, aren't already picked up. Mm, what about yourself, Brad? Just a comment before we get to Shane on the uh, phone line. Yeah, I, th- I think you'll be there, but it probably all, a lot would depend on how good these three-year-olds come back. Um, if these three-year-olds, if there's a host of them putting their hand up and they're running super times and, and there's not a great deal between them, then all of a sudden that that, uh, that could potentially move him out. But I think you'll get there. I think the key with him, guys, is it's just fresh. Just keep the freshness in him. His best runs are always the first and second up of the prep. He, he won that doom at 10,000, but there's no doubt about it. He was nowhere near his best that day and still won. So, um, yep, he just needs to be fresh and they need to manage him because uh, I think fresh 1,200, I think he's still okay if they can get that right. All right. Um, let's get to our first caller, Shane, on the line. Good morning, Shane. Good morning, boys. Um, I've just got two horses to, to ask about. Um, one's this, the, uh, the Seamus Award horse, Umgawa, that ran second at Caulfield on Saturday. I've I only back Seamus Award horses at the moment. He got Peravion up in the first at um, Coffs Harbour as well. And the other other one is more a comment on the trainer. Eloquently in Brisbane, Tregay's trained another one that's put five together. If Dino says he can't stay married to them, <laughs> I don't know. I'll come to your comment. We'll get a comment from you, uh, Dino, on... Now, which horse was it, Dino? Uh, I'm Gawa. It ran really well. Um, the call was referring to me. Not tipping Mongolian Marshall three weeks ago. Uh, anyway, uh, 
There you go. You're allowed to if they're on the way up. Uh, I thought that uh, Umgawa was terrific. They've ridden him back twice. He's gone really well, and uh, it, it's a really good system to back Seamus Award horses. They're just flying at the moment, and uh, he's uh, he's been he's probably Victoria's leading sire at the moment. So uh, no, they're going very well. But he's a nice horse, Umgawa. He'll be better over further too. Beautiful. Okay, thank you very much for that call, Shane. Now, here's a question for you, boys. Uh, obviously, a lot happening at the Games, and uh, we're, we're thinking about being very patriotic, um, supporting our, our team. If And it won't ever happen, but if, the, if racing was a part of the Olympics and you had a team of three, who are our three jockeys that are going to represent Australia at the moment? And I've just put this on the spot to you. I won't, in fact, I'll give you a... Give you a couple of minutes so you're not, you can you can have a think about who you, your team would be. We're going to take a break. It's 9.40. Give us a call. 13.53.53 is the open line number. Maybe you've got an idea. If we did have a, a group of jockeys going and representing Australia at racing at the uh, the games, which will never happen, but if it did, who would your three be? Joe Pride's theory on training. Yeah, we've all got our different strengths and weaknesses, and I think my personality is very much suited to being a horse trainer. I'm very single-minded. I don't really listen to too many outside influences, and, and I like to make my own decisions. And a, a committee doesn't train a racehorse. It's best trained by one person. I've got a great team around me who help me, but I like to make the decisions on my horses. Monday's Experts. Monday's Experts. 11am Monday on Racing HQ. As the official sponsor of punters clubs and pubs and clubs everywhere, the guys at Sticky are now aiming up to support punters for the Kosciuszko. But this time, it's not only their succulent wings on offer, but their new Sticky Pork Ribs too. Just buy tickets in the Kosciuszko at participating venues to receive your free Sticky Wings or Ribs. Go to stickywings.com.au to find your nearest participating venue and get Sticky for the Kosci. That's stickywings.com.au. Breeders, we need your help. Why? To support Catwalk and help raise important funds for spinal cord injury research. Darley, together with Watership Down Stud, are putting up the final nomination for this season in Too Darn Hot. Too Darn Hot, Too Darn Good. Bidding opens Wednesday the 28th of July at midday and closes Thursday from 4pm. The final nomination is available at Magic Millions Online. This is Punter's Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio. 9.42 on Sky Sports Radio. It's Punter's Postmortem, the winter edition. And we had a, a little interesting, uh, weird question on the text line about uh, who would be your Aussie team that would, could represent racing at uh, the games in terms of jockeys. We'll start with you, Brad Davidson. You've got to pick a team of three. Who's uh, Who's going? Obviously, we can't claim J-Mac because he's from New Zealand, so he would be representing New Zealand. Jamie Carr, I'll be an obvious, um, no doubt about that. Tommy Berry, but I'll just, I think Tommy would rise to the occasion. The patriotic, he'd be very patriotic, and uh, and and Nash, I reckon, at his best, I'll go those three. Carr, Rawilla, and uh, Berry. What about yourself, Chris Roots? I think um, Jamie Carr would have to be there. If you look at this year. And she's run three Group 1 winners that she'd never been on before, so she just gets on with horses and rides really well. I think Hugh Bowman would have to be there. You know, he's proven proven on the biggest stage and getting towards 100 Group 1 winners. And um, the wizard, Willie Pike, he's um, he, he's another who, who seems to get horses to run for him. And I think if you're picking a, a side that where they're going to be getting on strange horses, you want those jockeys who can get on a horse and just get them to run for them. 
Dino, who's your uh, who's your team? No, put in a carbon uh, with Chris. Uh, they're my three: Car Bowman and uh, and Willie Pike. Car Bowman and Pike and Munns. Uh, Huey, Tommy Berry, and Damian Oliver. For this simple reason being, they've all had experience overseas. They are experienced. They've been down. They've been up. They've been in the middle. Pressure doesn't mean a thing to them. It's the Brisbane Games, Munns. We're going to be playing at Brisbane. How good. Do we think that um, they're competing against everyone around the world? Brisbane, do you think? But they're competing against everyone around the world. These jockeys have ridden against the best in the world now. Do you think, boys... To be thrown up against all the all the overseas riders doesn't mean anything to them. We talk about uh, you know uh, racing and and marketing and obviously we know how much Racing Victoria and also Racing New South Wales invest in getting you know these international horses here and and whatnot. Do you think there's an appetite with our racing community here to have uh, an international jockeys uh, series when this all is COVID and, and and whatnot is is over or it improves across the world? Do you think there's an appetite there, say for you know whether it be Racing Victoria or another jurisdiction around the country where um, you know we invite these uh, jockeys like they sort of done uh, with I think what's it called? Uh, do you know the Sher- it's called the Sugar Cup, isn't it? Or Sugar yeah, Cup? Yeah, the Sugar Cup, and there's the international yep. night at Happy Valley before the big day at Chartin. So there's those international meetings. We had a uh, series like that for a couple of years at Mooney Valley. Uh, it was run on a Saturday one year. Basil Marcus won it from South Africa and then they tried to run it at the night meeting and pe- people didn't fly in in time and it was a bit of a disaster and it was it was canned. But uh, the, the, the Saturday it was run, it was run, I think it was run about the week after sort of Sydney Cup or something like that and it was a, it was a terrific day of racing. There was four international races and uh, it was a terrific concept. But uh, yeah, I think... I think when the world opens up, <laughs> when uh, it'd be uh, it'd be something that would really stimulate people. Yeah, what do, what do you, I'll get a comment from you. Uh, so I'll come back to you here, Brad Davidson. Get you involved uh, in terms of that sort of concept. I mean, I know you're about the punt and trying to find a winner, but with, you know, in terms of marketing racing, you know, is this something that that we need to to be thinking about? Yeah, look, it's something that um, you know you're always open to. These ideas and, and creating that, like like you alluded to, there, I'm probably the wrong person to ask. But I'm not really a, a racing romantic in terms of that. I'm I'm more interested in watching a you know if I've got a bet on a class one on a Monday than a group one on a Saturday. To be honest, that I haven't had a bet on. But um, that's you know I'm 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 a punter and a true and true punter, and that's what that's what you know gets my kicked out of the game is just punting and trying to solve that jigsaw puzzle of every race, no matter where it is. But um, at the same time, you know a lot of people love following certain jockeys and, and love that competition. And that's why, you know, the Olympics is, is so great because it's the best of the best. And, um, you know, that'd be the same in those sort of things in those international competitions. Uh, now, boys, uh, we'll get to callers soon. Thirteen fifty-three fifty-three is that open line number. I'll come back to you guys about uh, Saturday here in Sydney. No compromise, sound of cannons. A lot of people here uh, wanting to know your thoughts on the runner-up. Uh, was the runner-up, should it, the runner-up of have won the race, uh, or was no compromise always going to win? Uh, I know, Brad, I already know your opinion on this, Brad, because you were tweeting about it. I might go to you first here, Chris Roots. Uh, what do you think? No compromise still wins, even if Sound of Cannons doesn't sort of get in that awkward spot? Yeah, he has a habit of doing that, Sound of Cannons, and I know um, John O'Shea thought, still thought he'd won the race, but um, 
Jeez, I think no compromise might be one of those winter sleepers that comes out of the, out, out of this carnival really out of this time of year really well. He's a he's a horse that's going been up in the weights for so long, and just wondering whether Chris Waller's going to try and tuck him back in and get him get him to a Wyong Cup and a Newcastle Cup. They they seem the sort of races he could be be ready for, or whether he'll wait for the summer and go through those summer staying races. He's one I really want to follow. I think once he gets down the weights, he's going to be be an even better prospect, a, a betting prospect. Back to you here, Chris. Uh, back to you here, sorry, sorry Brad, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, look, uh, I do think you should have won. Santa Cannon just got held up at the at the right, you know, the wrong time, really, um, at about the 150 metre mark, and just at the ground, he took off no compromise late there. That was clearly was um, yeah, luckless and, and should have won the race, no doubt about that. In terms of no compromise, I actually thought the ride won the race um, when they took off on Montebo there at around the it was around the seven eight hundred metre mark. Uh, Rock saw that and, and he started to get going and, and that was the key where I think Harbo Marks was a, a couple of lengths behind him and I think they half just left flat footed there and then he had to make a long searching run and, and was just, you know, the last two hundred exposed because of that long searching run where Brock was able to just creep into the race, not let them get too far away and then and then be able to be too too strong or hold on late, but yeah, no doubt about it. Santa Cannons was stiff and should have won the race. Marns, yes, Dave, you sounded in pain then. <laughs> oh no, no, um, no! I was comment on Santa Cannons, no compromise. Um, well, he's, he's just getting to be one of those horses that you know doesn't have a great deal of luck. Santa Cannons, you'd think you know when you're on a horse and he's looking for inside runs, you'd think he'd get one of them. He he, he ran straight up behind Spencer and. Uh, uh, the other day at, at Rose Hill, and then here he is, another beautiful ride from an inside alley the other day, saves all the ground, just pops off the fence, and what happens? He can't get clear running again. But, you know, he, he's, he's going to win a race. Uh, it's been a long while now, been nearly two years since he's won a race, hasn't won in run in Australia, but he deserves to win one, put it that way. But some horses can find trouble, uh, they say, you know, uh, like some people that have a stink in an empty house. <laughs> what do we do with Harpo Marks, um, Dino? Probably uh, Brad and the boys are better qualified with that one. Um, but, uh, no, he, I, uh, I got on him on the right day a couple of weeks ago, but uh, off the tram yet on Saturday. Boys, uh, what do we do with Harpo Marks? I'll come back to you here, Brad. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit of a forgive because of that long searching run and the fact he, he sort of, he, you know, he had some really good sectionals between the 600 and the 200, some of the best of the day there, and just a peak, peak to touch late. I know a few people have got a little bit of a niggle on him at 2,400 metres and, um, but you know he has won over the trip before, and I just think it was more the the race set up there on the weekend. He, he he's probably just around that sort of that level. Um, you know, a lot of people getting carried away after that last win, and probably come back to back a level now after that performance on the weekend. But look, if he gets the right setup, there's you know he can he can win next time out again. All right, Harpo Marks, Chris Roos, so what are you doing there? It's a, it's an interesting puzzle with him because he's um. Up in the weights in the 78s, and there's not many races that are going to be in 80 and above coming up, so he's going to be asked to carry a lot of weight again. I think that just anchored him a little bit on the weekend. He he, he had to make that run. He, I know he ran really good sectionals, but it really told on him in the last 100, 100 metres and um, sort of horse that maybe be better at 2,000 metres and when it gets to a to an open grade or something like that, I think it, it'll he'll be better better when he gets down in the weights and gets a little bit of relief off his back. 
Boys, uh, um, I might actually come back to you here, Dino, because there's a couple of texts on the text line around Sansom, uh, which was a uh, good winner there on the weekend. And I did see some tweets about the training setup of Philip Stokes. Has he got some sort of new... Um, like, does he train them up a hill? Because there's a couple of uh, texts here and tweets sort of saying, can you ask Dino about Philip's new setup? Um, yeah, it, it, it's more to do in the pre-training element of them. He's got a farm probably... I think it's about five minutes from the Packenham Training Centre, and he's got a really big complex there. So, but I think he's doing uh, spelling and pre-training on his farm where he lives, and uh, they've got a bit of a hill track there that they've developed, and uh, so I think it's putting a good foundation into the horses, and and that was more to the point that he did all of his uh, preparatory work. He's the first one to to use it, and uh, and they got a result Saturday. But uh, he's a terrific horse, handsome, and. Uh, Ben Allen has got a magnificent rapport with him. Uh, he won seven races on him now, and uh, he just kept at him and, and was just able to get Streets of Avalon. And as I said uh, in the opener, uh, Streets of Avalon was a horse that was like a benchmark 78 and then got to 84. And when he won a Victoria Handicap, you thought, well, that's as good as he'd get. And he ended up winning, he's ended up winning two Group 1s, a Group 2, a Group 3. So I think Sansom's sort of done that sort of apprenticeship as well. And whether he gets to the Group 1 level like Streets of Avalon, only time will tell, but uh, geez, a good winning horse when it was he was in for the scrap on Saturday, found a way. All right, we've got Brian on the line. Morning, Brian. Hello, how are you, boys? Very good, mate. What's your question? Uh, I just want to ask a question about a couple of jockeys. I was just wondering if you could tell me um, where Robbie Dolan is, uh, Tegan Harrison and CJ Graham. Well, Robbie Dolan's not too far from coming back. He had uh, nerve damage in his arm, and I think you'll find he's back riding work at the moment. CJ Graham, I think, had a fracture in a in a back, um, T-whatever, and Tegan Harrison had multiple injuries, and uh, she was doing a bit of media work, actually, uh, Tegan. So they, they've all been out injured, but I think you'll find Robbie Dolan will be the first one of those back. Right, yeah. thank you very much. Robbie just had a little setback there last week, so he might be. Um, I know he got back yeah. to track work last Saturday and had to pull the pin after the one day, so he might. It looks like he'll still be probably back at the, as Mum said, um, you know, pretty soon. Hopefully back for the spring, but um, yeah, it was, he was hopeful to sort of get back pretty quickly, but just had to uh, just ease back a little bit after get back to track work last week. Beautiful, yeah. Brian. Thank you, thank you very much, there, mate. Um, all right, uh, now, just going through these, uh, lots of texts this morning. Really appreciate all the texts uh, coming in. Uh, and, of course, uh, the phone line, 13 if you've got a question for our panel. Back to Sydney here, boys. Uh, Silent Impact, uh, winner of the first there by Maurice out of uh, that uh, good race mare, a hollow bullet. What do we make of Silent Impact in the first? We'll come to you here first, Brad. Yeah, he was outstanding, wasn't he? Um, they, they ran really good time in that race too, and... What I love about the time is they're still able to produce a, a strong overall figure despite the eight to the 400 metre mark uh, in the race being quite slow. So they really backed it off in that little section, but they're still able to produce a, 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 an overall figure that was uh, much better than what you'd expect for that class. So he was strong through the line. His mum won an oak. So, um, you know, he looks like he's going to get better over further. And uh, he looks like he's got a bright future. He, he might be one who'd be able to sort of continue to step up and, and go towards some early spring races. Comment from I'll get a comment from uh, Munns and Rudy here. Uh, Chris, silent impact. It was very good, wasn't he? He's got a perfect record now. And the way Adrian Bott um, was talking, they're talking spring champion. So looking to stretch him out with with his um, stretch him out eventually. Um, interesting that he was a late two year old, and they're 
they're going to keep him going until middle of October. So that's going to be an interesting way they get to that sort of race. Um, well, like the two-year-old race last week, I, I think a very, very strong, you know, bunch of two-year-olds here. He had the right run, uh, Silent Impact, and uh, there was a couple there. I, I thought Coastwatch was very, very good to sit wide and just keep going. Poor old King of Sparta, he's, he's got some mental problems, I think, uh, King of Sparta. He, uh, I actually spoke to Duff after the race and, uh, you know, and I just said he, he just refuses to settle in his race. I don't know what they're going to do with him. They've gelded him. Um, I, don't know, I don't know what you can do with a horse like that to get him to settle. Um, you know, Concocted was good because his, his win at Hawkesbury wasn't sensational, but he really wanted to find the line there. And I, I think you, you, you want to be sticking on the back of quite a few of them out of the first. Got another caller on the line, guys. Uh, let's get to um, the phone line. And I think we've got Sean on the line. Morning, Sean. Morning, guys. How are we? What are you, what's on your mind, mate? I've got a question for Dino. Do I, uh, Viridine, do I stack it, mate? Because he's getting hard to catch, mate. I just can't back him anymore, I don't think. Yeah, it's getting that way a bit. Uh, look, he ran the best last 200 of the meeting, uh, uh, but he's doing it late in the race. Uh, yeah, when the race is there to be won, he's a little bit missing and he's then hitting the line. So, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm sort of hearing you, but it, uh, that was his real, yeah, you know, and I would have thought that was a real target race for him on Saturday as well to to try and win that for the second sure, yeah. year. But he didn't seem to want to be there. I don't know what it is, but he seems to, like I said, he, he runs on grade most times, but then just doesn't want to finish it off. Yeah, well, it was the opposite. You know, the 400, he was sort of labouring, and as I said, ran the best last 200 of the meeting, but uh, the race had passed him by. Whether he needs blinkers to put him into a race or he needs you know, sharpening up, but uh, yeah, he's at, a little bit in this grade anyway at the crossroads. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, mate. Beautiful, thanks, Sean. Our next call, I think we've got Brian on the line. Morning, Brian. Oh, Robert. So, morning, Robert. G'day. How you going, boys? You there? Good, mate. Good, yeah. yeah good. What's your question, mate? Mate, just a couple of things. Um, for Dean in Melbourne, what happened to Ben Mellon last Saturday? Has he been suspended or something? Has he? Uh yes. Yep. Uh, and Mark Zara. He... Mark Zara took a break. Uh, his wife had a child uh, about what six or eight weeks ago and okay. he'd worked right through so he he he's just on a break and he's back riding this Saturday or ride Jigsaw at Mooney Valley uh, promising horse so he's back this Saturday and I think Mallon might be back this Saturday too after suspension okay. and quickly um just an accolade for Terry Robinson his strike rate in the highway handicap must be phenomenal he, he wins I don't know how many and they're always at good prices. Unbelievable. Beautiful. Love the comment. Thank you very much for that. Uh, now, our next caller. I think we've got Kurt there. Morning, Kurt. Morning, Dave. How are you, mate? Very well, mate. Uh, what's on your mind? You've got something for Dino, no doubt? Yeah, Dino, bubbly last. How tough, mate. What a bonnie filly. Yeah, she's, she deserves a win in one of those races, doesn't she, uh, Kurt? Um Alpuni Princess nailed her late, but she's running well. She's going to win one of those, or she'll turn to be a four-year-old mare next week, but she's going to win one soon enough. She's very honest. 320 the place. Obviously, the marketers don't have the same opinion, but I'm not taking anything away from Alpuni Princess, that's for sure. Hey, Dino. Um, hey, Kurt. One the other day, in a maiden, broke its duck there. I like the way it did it. Arch Alexander, a Parisian dancer, Dean. 
Yeah, it was a good win. Yeah. Um, what day was that? That was. It was Ballarat two weeks ago, off the top of my Ballarat, head. Ballarat. Yeah, it was. It was a really good win. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's had a few of those lately. Archie had one uh, yesterday. Warwick Nabil it ran well too. But uh, yeah, Parisian dancer. It, go, it goes well uh, and shown ability at the trials, and yeah, no shock that it, it's gone. And, one other uh, one, one Dino. I couldn't believe the way this thing won the other day. This to present is the best slingshot so far into the year, Quintello. What happened then? That was like the stall gift, Dino. It was like all the slow coaches go the first bunch, the second slow coach, second bunch, third slow coach bunch, and then he gone, okay, I start, and then boom. What happened there? Quintello. Yeah, the, um... Yeah, the, the Ma Eustace horse. Uh, sorry, Kirima. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it was... It, uh, it had a beautiful run in the race. It beat a very weak field and it won oh, very yeah. well. Uh, but it, the thing was, it won at 1,200. Last time in, they started at 1,500. So it's obviously sharpened up a bit. But, uh, yeah, it was ridiculous how easy it won. Yeah. And hey. Sierra, Sierra Sue Dino, the best placing so far this year, without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> well, as long as you were happy, Kurt, that you know, she'd raced in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Melbourne, and on a six-day backup for a eight-hour float trip to Mildura, as long as you were happy that she could do that, she was the best-placed horse, and uh, she did. She, she did it easy. Please, three yeah, bucks for not Brad, a Brad, you were going to chime in with something there, mate. What were we going to say? Yeah. I said, come on, Kurt, get to the, get to the uh, what the punters want to know. We've got a punter on Twitter at the moment. He says, surely Kurt rings in and gives us his tips for Goodwood this week. What Goodwood, do you got, Kurt? Glorious Goodwood. I've given it. Golden Powell. I've given it way before you come on the show, mate. I've given it like a, oh, ages yeah, ago. I've tipped it twice already. It's already won twice for the Nunthorpe. Wesley Ward. Wesley, okay. Hang Golden on. Well, let's Powell. just Have we got these markets right? open? Munns, have we got these markets open for Goodwood? What have we got? Oh, hang on, I'm just yeah. looking at the um, bog snorkeling hey, Brad, final Brad, for the day at the Olympics, I Dave. Uh. Win the Nunthorpe. I said when it retires, it's going to be another Bobby's Kitten, Uncle Mo, like its own sire, tap it. It's just going to be a sprint sire. Haven't you not seen a... Golden Power yet, Brad? Oh, I I'm, I'm not a uh, international. I don't watch international racing much, Kurt. But uh, the punters wanted to know, so I thought I'd uh, see what you got for them. By the, the way, Kurt. By the way, Kurt. Kurt, you've never said or it's going to be a super sire. Brad, Brad, or Tinsley a wonder for, for Paul Massaro, no, if you remember, mate. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> He's added a bit on. Uh, well, what are your bets in for Goodwood? What have you only got one bet, Kurt? You don't seem like a one-bet type of bloke. Mate, mate, no. I've given that out ages ago. And also, don't forget um, Amazing Grace, which is the German Oaks this Sunday. I got 10 to 1 when I gave out that, boys. That's two. two two's enough. Hey, Brad, Luncey's last week in the trial. I know it was only a three-horse trial, but how good. Yeah, and, and yeah, Chris Lee's talking it up, Kurt, saying he might be able to be the horse that can step up and, and you know, replace um, someone like Mugatu. So, you know, we go towards those. I know I spoke to Jock the other week, and he says, you know, steady, steady as it goes, but uh, might find himself in a couple of nice features down the track this spring. Yeah, and uh, Ruder, is Ruder there? Ruder's yeah. there. He's always lurking. Ruda, how good's the Adaya form? Hurricane Lane, double group one, subsequent Frank form coming out of that. Did you see it? Yeah, watched the King George. First King Derby winner to win the King George since Galileo. So I think the Dolphin will be pretty happy with that. They'll, um, he'll, be, he'll be finding himself a home at stud pretty soon, I'd say. But um, five to one for the arc now, that horse. And realistically, you know... The, if well, Hurricane Lane's going well, there as well, Ruda. Yeah, I think I think you'll only find one of them will go there. There, they're talking to Pre Neil with um, 
the Premier with a, a, a day, and then they'll go um, where Farragut Lane's going to go to the St Ledger. Yeah, yeah. Um, Golden Power, that's the Wesley Ward horse, isn't it? Absolutely, mate. Um, so it's not going to the Nunthorpe, it's going to the Flying Five at the Curra. Whoa, 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 con- whoa. When, when did this happen? Um, oh, breaking news. Uh, How good's Ruder? He's gone Mr. Yeah. Worldwide. No, go on, go on, Ruder. There's a couple of late scratchings at Coralwood today, too. It's, it's under consideration to come to... It's now owned by Cornwall, and it'll be one under consideration to go into quarantine for an Everest. Whoa, are you serious? Yeah, well, oh, Kurt's so going off. Oh, going to the, I think you'll find it'll go to the Curra and run in the Flying Five, which is on Irish Champion Stakes Day, and then might might be under consideration as, as the Cornwall yeah, horse yeah. for the Everest. Well, the Magnies have got it, yeah. Wow, that is... that. You won't get bigger news than that all week, boys. I know you don't follow international. If Golden Power's coming here, I was hoping Anthony got Libertini a, a slot... I'm gonna have to. I'm sorry, Libertini. I hope Golden Powell gets the slot now. Wow, that's big news, Ruda. Fair income, mate. There you go. Anybody you'll have to. Um, you'll have to. <laughs> you'll have to get that out of the market, um, Muns. What's it called? Hey. Golden Circle. Dino, Golden Powell. Golden Powell. All right, Kurt. Wait, wait. One for Dino. One for Dino. Yes, Kurt. Oh, good. You've got to, you've got to say that, Dino. Yeah, good, Dino. Riverviews, mate. I didn't back it, but what a ride, mate. <laughs> I can't. Oh, I know you're a Paddy Maloney fan, aren't you, uh, Kurt, from way back? If you Dean, who would I yeah. take to the Olympics? It'd be Ollie and uh, Paddy Maloney. Paddy Maloney. You're, you are solid with Paddy Maloney. And, and I'd take Jason Collett as well because he's Aussie, Aussie. You can't. He's a well. Kiwi. He's a Kiwi. No, he's you Aussie can't. now, mate. That's all right. He, he's in lockdown. He can't go anywhere. Hey, mate, <laughs> can I ask you something? I went for a test last Tuesday for the swab because my girlfriend owns her own business and the last thing I want to do is get her with the flu, the flu that I've got. So I'm not, I'm living, I'm taking my, I've gone out of my way to live out in the granny flat that I've got out the back sure just in case she so she doesn't get it. I went for a swab last Tuesday night. Are they serious this day and age? The only way to get a swab is stick a rod three quarters down my nose? Well, that, that's that's where they've got a. That, that's where they're testing you. They test the back of your throat, and they, they taste the, the back of. We reached my appendix, mate. What is mm-hmm. doing? Well, well the, you're not that, one out. We've all had a few. Kurt, of them you one know, out, you're Kurt, not Robert Crusoe. Mate, I don't yeah. mind saying. I knew everyone was telling me that it's an uncomfortable thing, but I was like, you've got to get over it, mate. Yeah. Yeah, you've just, just, one, you just got to make sure you I get someone taking the swab, Kurt. That's not, you know, hasn't a part-time job as a driller on the, you know, the West Connects program. I didn't know where you were going there, Muns. I didn't know where you were going. Kurt, take care. He's the only bloke that got a COVID test coming out with a limp. Now, um, what are our horses to follow, uh, boys? Brad Davidson, what are we backing? What's our horses to follow? I'm going to go a bit wide here, guys. I'm going to go Reach Beyond in the uh, Tab Highway. wasn't well suited under the plate conditions there on the weekend. So if you can find a similar race under handicap conditions, it's going to really suit. Likes it a bit wetter as well. And it's caught three wide, no cover there in a race where they went very, very hard early. So I thought he did a good job to be only beaten three and a half. And Dave, you're copping a little bit of stick on social media at the moment with your with your, your three uh, jockeys in the in the yeah. team because you've got Carr in your team and on the bench as well. So you better fix that. Why? No, no, no. Oh, that's just my personal, my team. Uh, you've got Jamie Carr in your team and in, in the, the team and on the well. bench. Oh, oh well. There's just this, yeah, I've been watching this new apprentice like Kurt just coming through the ranks. Uh, don't worry. I, I've, I don't know what I've done there. He's a two-car man. 
I was gonna. Oh, yeah, I was gonna put Pert in the team. Car garage. That's what about it. what about um, what about uh, Pert? Zachy boy. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, you get him back. He's coming yeah, home. You want to, yeah, you want a bit of mongrel on the team. Oh, I think Zara. I, I'm a massive. I mean, talking through my pocket there, yeah. but M Zara. He's just and how good would the uh, him being captain? He may not want to be captain, but I reckon he'd be uh, he'd be a lot of fun to be in the trenches with. Dino, what's your horse to follow or horses to follow? Uh, I think a few teams today, Dave. Um, if I can find them again. Uh, Kurt's got me off the bit of touch. Uh, I thought Miss Albania, I thought they just rode her wrong on Saturday. She's a leader that likes to really break open a race mid-race and they actually backed off the speed mid-race and left her vulnerable. I think she gets back to being ridden the way she likes to. She can win soon. Separate just needs a dry track. This horse is going really well. Just needs a dry track. And Zoo Dancer, uh, this is a bit of a curt tip. I think she'll win the Let's Elope in about six weeks' time. Uh, that was a really good first up run, and she'll build off that. All right. Uh, Chris, your horses to follow, mate? Yeah, I, I really like the win of Yee Yee. I thought um, it was good at Newcastle. It was better again in Sydney. And one of these Chris Waller horses that is coming through the grades, and I think it'll win a couple more before, before it's done. And I thought Rule the World. There was money for it there on Saturday. Got to the outside late, had a big weight, and really ran through the line. Well, I think it will win in its next two starts. And as for Zach Purden going to the Olympics, if you've been watching his social media, he'd want to be. Ta- I think he wants to take Cameron Smith or Mark Leeson's spot off in the golf yeah. team, rather than the jockeys at the moment. He's he's putting up bunker shots and you know playing playing in New Zealand. So um, some of us some of us want to get back out on the golf course sometime soon. And horses to follow, Glenn Munsey. Uh, from Saturday, Dave, has to be good. Had its first date up here. We spoke about it in the, the punters panel on Friday. I wanted to have a look at it. Uh, an ex-Graham Begg horse. I'll, I'll get Dino's comments first of all. What did you think of it when it was down there, Dean? Which one month? Has to be good. I thought it always had ability, yeah. Um, it's, it, yeah it certainly showed uh, good talent on a couple of occasions. Yeah, so I thought it went quite well, and uh, the firmer tracks, I yep. think, are what it's looking for. And uh, the other horse to follow, I think, comes from the midweek, Mr. G. He's won his last two now. He's won on the heavy track at Canterbury, and then he backed up with an improving track win at, on the Kento. He's ready to probably step to Saturday grade and be very, very hard to beat there and get ready for some distinct form reversals a good four at the Kenzo for eight races on Saturday and the course proper at this stage is a five at Ramwick for Saturday and no rain predicted throughout the week so um, okay. uh, Brad you won't have to say on form line we've got a soft six but I'll be doing it for a good four exactly beautiful boys uh, have a great week uh, we'll catch you next week on the winter edition of punters post-mortem I think that'll be our final winter edition too next uh, next Monday and really appreciate you guys coming on uh, over the uh, the next couple of uh, or has over the next couple of weeks and, and whatnot good luck to Reese Jones today Dave he's on 99 and a half winners he's got seven rides a ride in every race at Scone he couldn't ride a winner at Gilgandra on Saturday looking to break through the hundred mark for the year and poor old Jason Collett we spoke about him he's on 99 winners or something and he's like me he's in lockdown he can't go anywhere